Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Should we start with shout outs? That worked well last time. Shout out to Drew Hinnish. I talked to him today, the Hinnish family. Really of podcast fame mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. um, I would say shout out to John Carney. I don't yes. know if you can see me with my, uh, my camera cleaned off this time. I'm using oh, the yeah, he... ring light. I don't know if it makes a difference, but out of respect for John Carney. Yep, same. I took a rag and actually wiped <laughs> off my camera. So that's... You guys look fantastic. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I can see the some... ridge in your brow very easily now, Mike. All right. Heavy brow. <laughs> very Neanderthalish. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but even Cro-Magnon, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Connor, what are your shout outs? I was thinking I'd shout out Monica Mackey. She she moved to Denver this past week or two weeks ago, and I know she listens. She uh, ended her service here in Chicago to the Church of Chicago, for which we're very grateful. Not for her leaving, but for her service. I could also, yeah, that's great. Um, I could shout out Joe, my guy. Um, he's one of our, our missionaries here on campus. And couple months ago I shout out like all of all the, this missionary team is awesome all the missionaries we've had have been awesome but um so all of them but you celebrate their entire catalog yes yeah Rachel Emma Dan shout out but Joe gave me this book uh a month or two ago called rules for a night and it's an it's a nice little read honestly it's by Ethan Hawke the actor um hey. and it's apparently he says it is written from like a letter he found that they believe it's a like an ancestor of theirs that actually was a knight that was like kind of writing these things to his kids before a battle he thought he might die in loosely um but it's good I, so I, I just like short little reflections and stuff and but i have a line stuck out to me a couple days ago from it and it said there are there are no once in a lifetime experiences. Hmm. I was like, I like that a lot. I, I've been applying that in different scenarios of um, just like, I don't know. I, I feel like whenever I get angsty, it's because of like a fear of missing out or something like that. Like this could be the big thing. Um, but it's very freeing just to say, like, no, I'm going to go to bed. So I've been thinking about that. Hmm. I find for me, it's more <laughs> that um, maybe it's a fear of missing out or some version of it. But for me, it's more like a fear of failure that I'm going to. The things that cause me anxiety that I'm trying to be more aware of and just like let go of is uh, when I feel like responsible for something going well and somebody does something that makes it, in my opinion, not go not well. Hmm. So little things like when people's phones go off at mass, it really irritates me. And I think I've been less irritated by it 
because I think I'm more intentionally surrendering control of situations that are not in my control. Like I cannot stop people from forgetting to turn off their phones or leave them in the car or whatever. <laughs> and if the, if the mass is disturbed, that's not my fault. And I couldn't have done anything to stop it. You know, unless there is something you can do, like if a person is a serial offender and you know that their phone is always going off, you can just have an uncomfortable conversation and say, Hey, this is uh this is disruptive and it would be nice if you would do something about it. But, uh, yeah, little things like that or people being people making me late, like traffic, things that I can't control, like the lights. It'll just really irritate me when I'm especially when I feel like I'm on the border of being late to something. And it's like, well, that's that ship has sailed. Like I didn't leave early enough or or something like I can't worrying now and getting really mad is not going to get me there faster. Um, I can learn my lesson or or apologize or whatever, you know, like the things that I can actually do something about. But I think that's to me like the thing that feels like it's slipping through my fingers and that I need to just be like really angry or or something. I get, it, get, it gets me worked up. So it's hard to it's hard to be at rest and then just in reality like, okay, this is not a once in a lifetime experience. I I can let go of of this. People invited me, but I can say no. I don't need an excuse. Like that's how I want to live my life. It's more free, but sometimes I... I don't even know what's hampering my freedom, but I can feel it. I don't know. I definitely, um, well, I think I get the meaning behind that quote, but I don't know if I agree with that. How so? We could have two episodes in a row that we disagree. <laughs> Which I think earlier on in the podcast was pretty rare. That was a criticism Derek Ho gave to me is that you guys never, you guys always just seem to agree. Well, Derek Ho is an idiot. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Boom, to him, baby. Though. Shout out to him. Shout, shout out to Derek Ho. Whether or not he's an idiot, sure he doesn't we, listen. Can, we can agree that's a good dude. Actually, he may listen. I know he listens to a lot of podcasts. Super, super good priest, man. Um, well, because I do think there are. Well, I, because I think there are once in a lifetime experiences that there's a type of uniqueness. And I, I don't, I don't say this to like go against what I perceive to be the meaning of this quote, which is like, Hey, it's okay. If you can't do it, you're limited and it's okay because you're not right. missing out on something that it's the spirit of it. Mets. It's the spirit of it. That's what we're all about. I know, Just, but it's geez. like, let's, Let's look at the thing, you know, <laughs> you know, this is uh does this lead to like the spirit of, of the council and, you know, leotards. If we follow that logic, like I'm going to be dancing in a leotard on Sunday. And what's the problem though? I'm not, I don't look good in a leotard. The that's the problem. Okay. All right. Well, that's subjective. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm fighting for my subjective point here. <laughs> I, I, I do think that there are moments in life that are unique and unrepeatable because you can also make the argument that yeah and, and again it's not to take away the, the point that you're making but um well what i was trying to say is that to me it sounds like it's an anti-perfectionism quote that like you cannot do everything you cannot yeah yeah be god everywhere yeah, at the same time 
or making sure a, that everything works out. For sure. It's an anti-grasping mm-hmm. quote. Um, and like, yeah. I need, I need that. That's very true. Um, there's also just like each moment has its own unique like flavor and yeah. I don't but know. I think I, I, well, let me see if this resolves the tension. It seems like, well, it is true. Like every moment is unique and they're all the moments are once in a lifetime moments in a way. This, this, this moment will never happen again, but it's in letting go of like trying to collect all the moments that I'm actually able to enter into the one I'm in. You know, I had an experience like this over the summer, uh, a couple of years, ago, a couple summers ago, we did this hike up pot mountain in Idaho and I get really motivated on hikes to get to the top. Cause I really, I can see that. Like, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the payoff is just like, it motivates me the whole time going up the mountain. I'm just very motivated. Um, it's like this carrot on the stick. But when I get to the top, I'm often not disappointed by it, but I'm like disappointed in myself that I can't enjoy it more. You know, like I was very driven during the climbing by this payoff, but then this payoff and it's the same thing kind of happened with the Cubs winning the world series. Like I felt like I was more alive during the longing than the actual enjoyment of the, of the victory. Uh, And that's kind of a pattern in my life. In the, I thought of this too in the last dance. There's a moment when Michael Jordan is at the piano in his hotel in Salt Lake City after the last championship when he made that last, the famous last shot. And like the bus comes back and all these people are crowding him in the hotel. He goes up to his room. He's still in his uniform and he's smoking a cigar, wearing the hat, drinking. And people are like, are you coming back next year? Are you coming back next year? And he's like, man, just get into that Zen Buddhism stuff. Like just be in the moment, man. Enjoy the moment. Here's Michael Jordan like chopping a cigar one of the most driven dudes ever for that payoff. And he's like exhorting everybody to just enjoy the moment. Um, Hmm. That is where I struggle. And what, what that quote sounds like it's saying to me is like, there will be other moments, but this one here, you can just let it be what it is. And you don't have to. So going up pop mountain, I'm looking at this beautiful horizon and I'm like, I want to be able to take a photo or like collect it and put it in my bag and take it home with me. You know, I want to eat it. I want to like consume the world and I can't do it. Yeah. I'm just a little guy here on this mountain enjoying the beautiful day. Um, I would also that's a agree. Lot. Yeah. And I would also agree that I, I think you could actually argue that every moment is a once in a lifetime moment. Like, I, I don't think that's like too cliche to, to say, but yeah, the whole, the whole idea of it is just the anti-grasping nature of like that invitation to that type of freedom to live in that way. And it's interesting. I, I think you actually see it just in really, really simple ways of, um, like I, I've definitely grown in this, but one of the things my sister-in-law pointed out to me a few years ago, she's awesome. Shout out to her. Um, but she was like, the Johnsons just one, they love to be together. And she was like, you guys take forever at goodbyes because no one wants <laughs> to leave. And it was, you know, it is, I think that is definitely true. Um, but just gotten better at that. Like, 
there's something like I think of now that we don't get to see each other as much. Like it's harder to get everybody together. And man, some of those moments are like so anointed, but you still got to go to bed. You know, you still got to like call it a day or go home. And I just find it there of like whatever that anti-grasping like invitation to freedom is it it's been it's been really helpful you know and it's because it's like nope there's going to be another there's going to be another day like there's going to be another enchanted moment because the world's sacramental and one day the horizon will be that there's not going to be another moment in this life but then you enter into what like we hope eternity will be which would be mm. in a sense like timeless moments with in just total relationship whatever that's like yeah 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 and i think it also frees us from um wanting to recreate moments um because if if it is a once in a lifetime moment or like uh, a, an experience that's so unique like one shining moment maybe what's that one shining moment maybe yeah you you want to like go back and try to remake it, which again is also the trying to play a God thing. I'm going to create the scenario that allows me to feel how I felt. You're like, well, that's not, that's not on you. And it's actually okay to not have that same, to not try and recreate that. Um, like, I, I think, I don't know why this came to my mind, but when we were in Bethlehem, being on top of that roof for the, for the sunrise. Um, one of the best decisions that you've ever made, Rob, was deciding that we're going to wake up early while we're in the Holy Land and watch the sunrise basically everywhere that we went. And it was unreal to watch Bethlehem wake up. And like, I have thought about how to go back and recreate that. Like, I want to do that again in the same place, in the same way. Um, and if, if moments are not... Um, you know, I can't remember exactly what the phrase was, but, um, there's no once in a lifetime moment. Then like, I don't have to worry about going back and making that moment again. Exactly. So I can let go of it and then let God actually create the moments that are in front of me, which is real. That's true. So I I think it frees, frees us again of like, yeah, trying to play God. I need to create those things because it was so great once in a lifetime. Let's make it twice in a lifetime, you know? Hey, God, how cool would this be? Let's mm-hmm. do that again. Mm-hmm. You know what? Well, this is the, des- oh, go uh, ahead. No. Well, yeah. I say, I'm going to say my desire in those moments is to have them not again or like on repeat, but to for, and I think this is what happens in the shiny, glorious moment is like you peek into a place where you would like to be forever. You know, that's Peter to me, the Peter on the Mount of the Transfiguration trying to build a tent is like, I want to just stay here. And when you feel that, that feeling of home, that nostalgia for the Garden of Eden, just the heart of God, like a sunrise in Bethlehem or top of Pop Mountain, or you just won the sixth championship. Like, I know I have to come down from this mountain, but I'd like to just stay here. And to me, what's so beautiful is that the more I don't know, the more, the more I'm able to surrender through God's grace to reality as it is, which is temporality and, and you, 
all the good things that you end up doing, you have to let go of and one day say goodbye to and uh, the people and, and everything. It's like the constant ambiguity of, of your life that for every good thing, there's like a shadow side that I'm, now I'm more just at peace with letting, letting things die and go to the past. But then the impression or the, the sacramental reality that I just encountered there actually is eternal. And so I can mm -hmm. just go like, you can go back to Bethlehem, that rooftop right now in your heart. And you're actually there. That's not just a make-believe imagination, like mindfulness exercise to try to empty your mind and go to your happy place. It's like those places are part of me now somehow. I, I just feel much more aware of that. And even the painful things, um, like I can go back and, I mean, just to be honest, like some of the last months with my dad passing away, like these these impressions that are just in my memory now, mm. I can go back to. And some, some of which are very painful, but I think part of grieving is really inhabiting that place, which was like maybe a split second, something that left an impression on me. But as I go back to it, it's something so real. And it is reflecting off of my heart something deep about God. Um, Yeah, I love that. In, in a much lighter way, um, I've I've even noticed that, like the last six months, year have been I have certain moments where I've been just in tune that, like, man, I really love this person, or like I just like this is it's kind of like one of those moments that you're like, man, this is just awesome that you wish could last, and you know it's not going to, and being able to relate that to God in the moment. Like it just, I don't know. It, I, it, to me, it makes it more painful, but better. Like that, that's the experience. At least it does kind of open up, open it up for the pain a little bit. Um, just, oh, I'm going to miss this. So what's the Michael Scott thing of like, don't you wish you knew the good old days were happening in the good old days or what? what Somebody should write a song about that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> No, I also, this is a, a, a tangent as well, but it also made me think of one of my father, favorite father Ray Webb stories was when he was prepping us to go to the Holy Land. He, he was <laughs> in front of our whole class. He's like, Hey, don't take pictures when you're over there because any picture you take, there'll be a better one online that people can find. And you're going to take 500 pictures and want to show them to everybody when you get back. And here's the thing. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. Gosh. It's true. <clears throat> it's super true. People care. People care. Um, My mentor and a guy I look up to a lot, Bishop Bartosek, he did a, a uh, sabbatical after being 17 years in a parish here in Archdiocese. Hadn't taken a sabbatical, I don't think, in his priesthood to that point. Um, and he did, among other things, went to the Holy Land, did a 30-day retreat, and did the Camino de Santiago. And just packed in a lot, a lot of riches, you know, like once-in-a-lifetime type of things. And I remember when he got back, I asked him, are you sad that it's over? <clears throat> and he had this response that it was so normal but for him, I guess, but for it blew me away. He goes... It would be, it feels like it would be insanely ungrateful to be sad it's over, like it was so full. Mm. Um, 
And that I think is the, the attitude of like just letting the thing be itself. Like what, why do I, why do I need to be doing this all the time? Like you can only do this once or I, I have to go back eventually and work again. But like, yeah, that, that does, that freedom or that surrender of just letting, letting the past be the past, but then still appreciating it and still living in the gratitude that it happened. Um, it feels like that thing is still, you're still drinking from that nutrition of having done that, you know? Um, yeah, it's so, that's so good. And it's so true. Cause it's like, I will find, I will admit, I will slip into the thinking sometimes of like, whatever, this is in many different ways, but wouldn't it, if in somehow it could be orchestrated that for a year, like we could live on the same floor again with like the guys, you know, back in the day and how yeah. much fun that would be. But the reality is like, it probably would suck because we all like want to have responsibilities in, in our mm -hmm. life and it'd be fun for like a weekend yeah. and, or, or whatever, you know, on, on that stuff. So no, there's a lot of, Yes, dude. I remember one time I looked through looked through old photos on some a friend of mine's computer and he had a bunch of stuff from when we were in college. And this was I was probably like twenty-four or twenty-five, started seminary. And looking back at college times and I got like deeply depressed mm. for a short time because I was like it just was so poignant to me that that will never happen again. I'll never be with those people in that circumstance again. I'll never be eighteen. And like I don't know, there was something something so sad to me that that was just over forever and I could never go back. Whereas now I'm like in a place where with that Bartosic attitude or the gratitude that it, that it happened and now I'm moving on to the next thing and I'm like, God brought me there. He's going to continue to bring me to new, to new beautiful things. Um, I kind of think that, you know, being an old man in the nursing home someday, it'll be awesome because I'll be full of this stuff that God showed me in this life that I can just like go to Bethlehem in, in my heart. I can go to pot mountain. I can go, I can be with those people who now I've, you know, are long buried and who nourished, you know, like nourished my vocation and brought me closer to Christ. Like in Jesus, all of it's now, mm. you know? And so even if you can't climb mountains anymore, cause your body is not as strong, it's all, it's all really real. It's kind of like those guys in the end of Band of Brothers when they're all talking about each other. Like they went through this experience together and now it's just that marked them forever. Mm -hmm. And that guy said, every night it's cold. I always turn to my wife before I go to bed and I say, well, I'm glad I'm not in Bastogne right now. Hmm. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like it happened to him yesterday. Yeah. When I think it's really helpful to like situate the conversation like, like you did in the sacramental worldview, because yeah, you can go back and visit those places, but you're not recreating them. You're just returning to them. Mm -hmm. And if you try and do that in the wrong context, then you try, you do try and recreate it, but you don't have to do that. And so the sacramental worldview allows you to, always return to like the rock of grace. You know, that was always the image. I know Welter would talk about this all the time, but like those moments of real encounter with Christ, they are now, 
and and it's not something that's just in the past, but it, it's grace, and you can return back to it. And like the people in the desert, um, the Israelites, they can restrike this rock, and it it's always this like source of flowing water. But if I try to go back and remake the situation, that's like an improper way to try and relate to a grace that I had with with Jesus and with with you guys and you know all these different ways because it's that and that's why I think the sacramental worldview is um, I wouldn't say there's a shadow side to it. It's just tough because it is real, like it is a real experience of seeing behind the veil. Um, but it's not heaven. So it is and it's not. Like that's the sacramental, the eschatological tension. The already but but not yet. And you're like, oh, I just was in heaven and I want to stay here. Because like it really was an experience of heaven on earth. But it's not heaven. And if you try and revisit it in the wrong way, like you're, you can get stuck there. Hmm. Um, the, stair, the stair will break. Like that's a step. It's not... It's not the um, the destination. Yeah. Well, the destination is a person. And I think that's that's where I, with the recreating or even like the depression about college will never happen again, is I thought it was the place or the, the circumstances or the time that made me joyful. But it was, it was God and God is now. Mm-hmm. And he's leading me to something new and he's preserving all the old and he's, he's just drawing, he's just drawing everything up into eternity with him, everything good. And like, if I try to, if I try to make anything, the goal other than him, other than Jesus, then the things themselves will become disappointments and just occasions for this agony of like, I can never, I can never get enough. It all is just passing away. But if I'm just in it all the time with Jesus, then it's, I can be at rest even while it's passing away because he never does. Yeah. Yep. It's the difference between slavery and freedom. Okay, guys, I got to get going. Good chat. Good talk. Good to be with you guys. Laters. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary It may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.